Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 335 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. This NBA playoffs are defined by moments and and singular performances by people. Now, yes, in totality, teams are where they are or teams don't ultimately make it because of the team. But as we're seeing in these playoffs, we'll talk about Devin Booker a little bit later. We'll talk about Jimmy Butler a little bit later. But games can be decided by individual performances at times. And that's what we saw in game four again. Uh, when we talk about the Golden State Warriors and the L.A. Lakers. We're going to talk about Steph Curry. We're going to talk about, you know, Klay Thompson. We're going to talk about Anthony Davis. We're going to talk about LeBron James. But the the true reason why the L.A. Lakers find themselves up 3-1, at least for game four, is because of Lonnie Walker the fourth. LeBron says something in his in his his post game interview that rings true for in in sports in general, and that is stay ready. One of the hardest things you can do is stay ready when you see your opportunity dwindling, or you feel like your opportunity is dwindling or when you're playing on a team sport and there may be somebody that's playing over you or somebody that's playing more minutes that you know or you feel you're better than, which you could you could probably be better than. It's just it doesn't fit the mold of the team. So it's hard to stay ready. You have to be a consummate professional to stay ready, especially when there's no pathway for more minutes. But that's a lot. That's exactly what Lonnie Walker did. Stayed ready. He comes in the game. Now, mind you, Golden. This is a seesaw affair. Golden State's playing well while they're sh- not shooting the best. Steph Curry's having an incredible game. He has a triple double. I think they were up like nine or ten points. And of course, it was a seesaw affair, but. When you get into a game, when there is a seesaw affair, when you're in a game where this, the littlest things are, or the game is decided by the littlest of margins, and you come in and score and score 15 points, that is the deciding factor. Let me tell you guys about scouting reports. You're already four games in at this point. Lonnie Walker scoring 15 points is not on the scouting report. Anybody in the NBA can score, obviously. But the, the, the question is, what are you willing to give and what are you willing to take? And anybody would take Lonnie Walker, a person that's barely played this entire series and barely had his imprint on the series. Nobody expects him to score 15 points, especially when your team as a whole scores 17 points in the fourth quarter. I've... There's two trains of thought and there's two there's two ways of looking at this series and both ways can be true. You can look at it through the LA series or LA side, you only need one more game to be a a western to be in the western conference finals. And if you look 
at the totality of the rest of the teams in the in the playoffs, the Lakers have a good shot of winning it all. When you when you have some when you have two superstars like a LeBron James, like Anthony Davis, and when you have the complementary pieces like the LA Lakers have, they can beat anybody. And if we've already expressed that there isn't really a great team in this playoffs, but there are really good teams, and the LA Lakers find themselves on the really good team side. And when you have people on the bench, Lakalani Walker, who people forget was a very important cog for the Spurs for a good minute. When you have people like Malik Beasley, and if he ever finds his, his jump shot again, he'll be important, especially for a Lakers team that struggles with, with, with shooting the ball. You have Austin Reeves. You have Justin Vanderbilt and his defensive pressure. This L.A. Lakers team can win a championship. So when you're looking on the L.A. side and you think to yourself, again, we're just one game away from being the Western Conference Finals. We just need to win one game. That is that is true. You can also look at it from the Golden State side. We're down 3-1, or they're down 3-1. We've, they've, they've been down 3-1 before. They've been down 3-1 twice. One and one in those situations. We all remember the... What 2016? They were down three-one against Kevin Durant and the in the Oklahoma City Thunder. Came back and won that. We also remember 2019, the NBA Finals. They were down three-one. They didn't come back and win that, but we all know every injury imaginable happened to Golden State and their stars. And Golden State's mindset is they have to beat us twice. Uh, they have to just beat us twice at home. I if 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 the, if we can get we get game five, that's at home. The toughest test of our lives will be game six. You're at home. You're 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 fighting, or you're you're at you're in L.A. You're fighting for your lives. If you can get, I'll say this: if Golden State pushes this to seven games, I have Golden State winning. Now, yes, Golden State can win, but. Again, we're 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 only banking on the possibility of them winning because of their history, not because of the immediate season that we've seen. Because if we talk about the season, there's no way that they're going to come back from 3-1. Disjointedness, division in the locker room, poor defense, fouls a lot, Klay Thompson's in a shooting slump. We'll talk about Jordan Poole in a second. There's they they still have no one to guard Anthony Davis. There's no way that they could come back. But again, there's two ways that there's the Golden State side, and all you say is, "Hey, we're still one of the best teams at home. All they have, all we have to do is win two at home." Or you can look at the Lakers side. All we need to do is win one more. But I don't want to conflate in in miss the mark and miss the point that this was the Lonnie Walker game. And, and when they say stay ready, that's what that means. And it's very hard to do, very hard to do. But in LeBron James said it best also, they would not have won game four if it wasn't for Lonnie Walker in his, in his play. We talk about individuals. An individual that gets 
a lot of heat, and I mean a lot of heat, is Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole, I believe, I, I tweeted this, Jordan Poole in this entire Golden State Lakers series, I think has scored 32 points total. To put that into context, Steph Curry last game, or game four, I think scored 31 Now, again, I understand that Steph Curry is still Steph Curry, but still, you're paying somebody four years, 120, what, $128 million? You expect him to get more than 32 points and a goose egg, zero points, in a very important game four. So people are trying to to figure out just what happened or what is happening with Jordan Poole. And how there has been such a, a a fall from last year's Jordan Poole to this year's Jordan Poole. Now, last year's Jordan Poole was one of the biggest reasons why Golden State won the championship. Not the biggest reason, but one of the biggest reasons. He was very clutch and, and very important in the Memphis series last year. He was very important in the Denver series last year. Jordan Poole earned him last year. He earned himself that contract. Now it's very risky to give somebody a contract like that early, but when you see the upside that Jordan Poole brings to the team, brings to the game, of course you you have no problem, especially if you're the Golden State Warriors and a lot of your stars are. On the older or on the other side of of, I'm not gonna say, because Steph Curry is still Steph Curry, but they're they're not gonna be their top selves much longer. You have no problem paying Jordan Poole, but let me tell you, let me tell you why I believe Jordan Poole is playing the way he's playing, and how. Jordan Poole and his lack of, of, Jordan Poole can't really even, he hasn't shown the ability to even be on the floor for this series. Because when he gets on the floor, he makes poor decisions, terrible decisions. He doesn't make shots. He turns the ball over a lot. We all know Jordan Poole is not the greatest defender at all. Actually, he's not really a good defender. So when you get, when he gets on the floor, they're hunting him. It he's he's almost become unplayable. But let me tell you why. I think at least this year, Jordan Poole is is why he's playing like he's playing. You see, everyone we're all gonna go back to the punch. And trust me, the punch is Probably the main reason why Jordan Poole is playing the way he's playing, but maybe not in the way that you think. For people that don't remember, which I don't know how you don't remember, but people that don't remember, Jordan Poole, right before the season started, had an altercation with Draymond Green. Draymond Green (laughs) punched Jordan Poole, knocked him out. 
and of course us as us as fans the world saw because the video was leaked when we first heard about the punch we heard that jordan Poole and draymond green had an altercation now if it stayed there nothing would have happened i think that there probably would have been a little bit of tension between jordan Poole and draymond green but it would have stayed there because there's been altercations on several occasions. There's been altercations. Trust me, you have men, you have women that they're high on they're 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 their adrenaline's going, they're playing a sport. There's gonna be altercations. I'm sure there there were altercations. Um there were altercations when we talk about Women basket, women's basketball, men's basketball, football, any sport, there are altercations. So I think the the altercation part wasn't the big thing. Even though, yes, that probably would have changed the relationship between Jordan Poole and and Draymond Green. I don't think we would have saw such a steep dip in Jordan Poole's production. Let me then let me explain to you Jordan Poole's game before I continue. Jordan Poole is a high-volume scorer. But Jordan Poole's game thrives on confidence. Jordan Poole's game thrives, you know, when you see the flashy dribble moves, when you see him weave, bobbing and weaving through, through defenders, that is confidence. And some people, most people, their, 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 their game is predicated on confidence. They don't thrive if they don't have confidence. And what we're seeing is Jordan Poole, I don't think, at least in this point of his, uh, this point of the season, he has confidence in his game, which is why you're seeing b- bad misses. Like A lot of his shots aren't even close. So why did I talk about the punch and then allude and then and then just finish talking about confidence you see i don't think the punch is what got us here i think the fact that the video was leaked in house is what got us here that that video makes nobody look good it doesn't make the Golden State organization look good. It definitely surely doesn't make Jordan Poole look good. And it surely doesn't make Draymond Green look good. And when you're playing for an organization and you you're you're you don't have confidence in the people around you because you're looking at people saying, How did it that video get leaked? Mind you, Jordan Poole has been hella inconsistent all year. He's had flashes, but he's been hella inconsistent all year. Because it's hard to come to work when you can't trust the people that you work with. I'm not saying that he doesn't trust the team. But there is somebody, and I don't think it's anybody on the physical team as far as the players, but there is somebody in that Golden State organization that leaked that video. The video that it's embarrassing. 
to to Jordan Poole. And it goes back to confidence. How do you play? It's hard to play for an organization. It's hard to play your best when you know that somebody in the organization does not care about your image. A team that is paying you all that money doesn't give two blanks about your image. Now, people are saying he should have got over it. You know, he has a whole season. You heard the he him and him and Draymond Green are, are past it. They're gonna move forward for the betterment of the team. And that could be true. He could have absolutely no problems with, with Draymond Green right now. But you hear he didn't say anything about the organization. Let's fast forward to game one of the Golden State Warriors LA Lakers series. And it goes, and again, remember I said Jordan Poole's game thrives on confidence. Jordan Poole by far has had his best game this playoffs, game one in of the LA Lakers game, of the LA Lakers series. There, I think he has six threes, 21 points. But how did that game end? Jordan Poole taking one of the deepest shots we have seen him take with like 10 seconds on the clock. Ultimately lose game one. Poor shot selection. He was getting killed for it. Jordan Poole got killed for that shot. Now, you can all his teammates said the right thing. Steph Curry said he's not, he doesn't have a problem with the shot. Klay Thompson said he doesn't have a problem with the shot. Steve Kerr said he doesn't have a problem with the shot. Draymond Green said he doesn't have a problem with the shot. But as a team, go look back at that shot. And look at Steph Curry's body language. Look at Draymond Green's body language. Look at Klay Thompson's body language. Look at Steve Kerr's body language. Then ask yourself, did they really were they really okay with that shot? And why do I bring up game one? Because I said Jordan Poole's game thrives on confidence. I'm not the only person that saw the body language of his teammates when that shot went up. He they have film session. That he saw it too. So now you're thinking to yourself. There's a reason why that was the best game. In fact, Jordan Poole has not scored over, has not scored in double digits since game one. I think that I don't know if this season. I think Golden State, again, the most, I I believe Golden State is going to win game five. The game is game six. I know I originally said Golden State in six. Obviously, I was wrong about it. But the game is game six. I believe, even with LeBron James, even with Anthony Davis, if the Golden State Warriors win game six, I believe that they win game seven. I don't think 
they're going to win game six because of what I've seen on the road and what I've seen late game situations in this series. But it's game six. I believe you're going to see the best Golden State that you could. You, good. We're going to have to see the best Golden State we're going to possibly see because their season's on the line, obviously, in game five. And you're at home, you know. But it's game six. You know what's funny, too? Jordan Poole's game and his lack of confidence and his lack of production this series has clouded the fact that while Jordan Poole hasn't really been good since game one, neither has Klay Thompson. Or no, game two, it was Klay Thompson. I think he had like 30 points. Klay Thompson, game four. We, you, all that I'm, all that's being heard, of course, is late game situations, which is which is true. Draymond Green had one of the first of all. Draymond Green caught the rebound. Steph, Curry, they're down one. Draymond Green catches the rebound over Dennis Shooter right under the basket and kicks it back out for a three. Poor decision number one. Poor decision number two. Clay Thompson takes two back to back. Bombs when he didn't need to. Terrible shot. You saw, just like we saw the body language for Steve Kerr and, and, and his teammates when we talk about Jordan Poole's shot game one. Look at the body language of Steve Kerr when when Clay Thompson took that second shot. And Steph Curry and Draymond Green. It's like, what are you doing? Those are two poor decisions. The play that they ran in Draymond Green having Dennis Schroeder Guarding him, going to the rim. You're down three, yes, but lay the ball up. Instead, you you have Steph Curry on the floor. You try to kick the ball to Klay Thompson, who is three for 19 at that point. Poor decision. Steph Curry made a poor decision, too. The jump ball situation, he throws the ball. Instead of calling timeout, he throws the ball behind his head. when he's. Uh, it was just a litany of poor decisions. But that's what Golden State has been all year. And they've been a poor road team. They've been poor execution. Their their players that they need to 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 be big hasn't. It's just been that's been Golden State season. So while yes, Golden State could win, could come back and win, I don't believe they are because of the habits that we've seen this season. It's crazy how things have uh have panned out for the, in this series. Shouts out to Lonnie Walker. Anthony Davis finally broke that uh streak of not having consecutive 20-point games. He had he had like a 2015-point game. But but don't get it twisted. They go the Lakers won because of Lonnie Walker. LeBron James said it. And I think that I mean you heard about the the late game interview or the after the post game interview with Jordan Poole. He turned his back to the reporters. He's he's embarrassed. 
of course, when you you have ex, you have aspirations to win a championship or another championship, and your team, the the team that won the championship, pretty much is there now, outside of a few players. And you're down three one against a Lakers team that, for a good portion of the season, was below five hundred. Now, yes, I understand that. The Lakers before the trade deadline and after the trade deadline are two completely different teams, but still. It's frustrating. And you can tell. You can tell the teammates frustrated with Jordan Poole, too. I know Jordan Poole feels that. Because as great as Steph Curry is, as great as Klay Thompson can be, as great as Draymond Green can be, they need Jordan Poole. So... Let's move forward. We talk about confidence. Hell, I just talked about confidence for a good minute in Jordan Poole. What you're seeing in this New York Knicks-Miami series is a team that has lost their confidence compared to a team that has gained more confidence in themselves. You see, rankings don't matter until they matter. Meaning, you're hearing a lot, Miami can be the first eight seed since, I think, the 1999 Knicks to make it to a conference final. When you're on the team, you don't care that you're the eighth seed. The team doesn't care. Jimmy Butler doesn't care that... He, they're eight seed. Bam out of bio doesn't care that you're eight seed. Eric Spoelstra doesn't care that you're eight seed. It doesn't matter when you're talking about the team. The team doesn't look at themselves as an eighth seed. They look at themselves as a team that's in the playoffs. That's what everyone looks at. They're a team that has a shot because they made it to the playoffs. They don't care about rankings. The only time rankings matter is when you're going up against when you're going up against teams or players that. You, 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 you realize why they're ranked, why they're ranked. Like, yes, Miami won the series against the Milwaukee Bucks, but you're, you're playing them, you realize, okay, Milwaukee, there's a reason why they were the number one seed. You have Giannis, like, there's a reason why they are who they are. Now, yes, they ultimately won, Miami Heat did, but you understand so why did I say that you're seeing a team lose their confidence and a team continuously gain theirs? Game four, you have an opportunity to tie the series up 2-2. And not only does the New York Knicks... The New York Knicks have lost their shot. Nobody is hitting shots. Like, no one. And when you look, you need big games out of your stars. You need big games out of your most important players, which is, of course, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Well, what do you get from Julius Brunson? Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. You get a big game out of out of Jalen, Jalen Brunson, 32 points, five rebounds, or five assists. 
four rebounds. But it's it's Julius Randle. I've said this whole season. I don't like Julius Randle's body language. I don't know if that's because he's not like he's not liking what's going on for the team. I don't know if he just doesn't want to be on the team anymore. I do not like the body language that I've seen all season from Julius Randle, and I think that that is going to cost him. Well, I'm not going to say cost him, but I think that there's a very good shot that Julius Randle might not be on this next team come next year. But Julius Randle in the biggest mo- in one in the biggest moment of the of the playoffs. At this point, you're essentially ending the season cuz while I ha- I think that Golden State can come back from 3-1. I don't know if they will, but I think they can. I don't think the Knicks have a shot of coming back from 3-1. But Julius Randle gives you 20 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists. While that sound twenty points sounds good, when you're the star player, that's not. Especially the six personal fouls, which of course you fouled at, and the six turnovers. And those six personal fouls, I think four of them were offensive fouls. Four or five of them were offensive fouls. Charges, it, it moving screens, like. When you watch the Knicks play, my, the Miami Heat, when you watch the Knicks play the Miami Heat in this series, Miami Heat, it feels like outside of maybe Jalen Brunson, the Miami Heat has taken the confidence from New York. You gain an immense amount of confidence when you are you beat a team that a lot of people had you beating or you beat a team that a lot of people had you losing, and that was the Cleveland Cavaliers. You beat Donovan Mitchell, who, I mean, he had a 70-point game this year. You beat Darius Garland. You beat the number one defensive team in the league. So the confidence is high, especially a Knicks team that hasn't really seen success in the playoffs for a while. But now you're playing a team that probably – you're playing a team with more confidence because they they slayed – a a proverbial larger giant. And I think I think the New York Knicks are finished, man. Taylor Brown, it was a good season and of course some people aren't going to look at the season like it's a success, but I think it was. Nobody expected the Knicks to get here. But I think here is where they were <laughs> I think here is where they will remain because I don't have them. There's I don't see them coming back from 3-1. I don't think they have the personnel. I don't think that they have the, the confidence in themselves to do that as a team. Yeah, I'm sure Jalen Brunson probably thinks he can come back. But I, I don't think as a team they have the confidence they can come back from 3-1. And we're about to see yet another year consecutive year that the Miami Heat are in the Western Conference or Eastern Conference Finals. I saw the meme going around, not a meme, a question, I guess, and who has been the best coach in this playoffs? And this by far has been Eric Spolster. Like, come on now. Darvin Ham has been really good too. Shouts out to you, but Eric Spolster. I also, you know, before we, we, we leave the Knicks, 
I was asked, and, and I'm, I'm going to talk about the press conference, the, the, the quote that, Ju- that Julius Randle said at the end of the game. when He was like, I think that they pro- maybe just wanted it more. That is how I know that Julius Randle will not be here next year. Will not be. I don't think he will be a Nick next year. Mind you, Julius Randle is their best player. Yes, Jalen Jalen Brunson's great, but Julius Randle is their best player. Talking about, we ain't got no shot, pretty much. What? Or they wanted it more than us. What? In a playoff game. This is after I think the Knicks or the the. Let me see. I think the the Heat had how many offensive rebounds? Thirteen offensive rebounds. And I think out of thirteen, like seven of them came in the fourth quarter. Yeah, man. I don't. I have no confidence. Especially how good Jimmy Butler is playing, even with the ankle injury. Especially how good Bam Adebayo finally has come to play. While he's not really killing in in points, he did. He was the leading scorer of the Knicks. I mean, no, of the game for the Heat with 23 points, 13 rebounds. And I said, well, second leading scorer because Jimmy Butler had 27. But I told you guys last episode that I believe Bam Adebayo is the X factor. And how he plays against uh, Julius Randle, which obviously outplayed him, but uh, yeah, no, I don't have I don't have any confidence that the Knicks are going to come back from three one against the Heat. So, speaking of confidence, and I guess this is the theme of the, this episode: this confidence. What we're seeing out of Devin Booker, I don't think we are appropriately putting into context what we're seeing out of Devin Booker. Devin Booker is having one of the greatest playoff runs, offensive playoff runs we have ever seen. Now, again, and I always have this caveat doing every episode, I'm shooting this episode. Tuesday afternoon, meaning I don't know the outcome of the Philadelphia 76ers Boston series or the Phoenix Sun Denver series. I don't know what's going to happen until tonight. But going into this game, Devin Booker is having one of the greatest playoff runs we have ever seen. To put into context what he's doing, Devin Booker is averaging. 36.3 points a game while shooting over 60%. To put into context, only two other players in NBA history have done this, and that is uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Centers that get their points close to the rim. Devin Booker is a guard doing this. Jordan's never done this. Steph Curry has never done this. Uh, LeBron James has never done this. Kobe has never done this. Devin Booker is is he's having a a, a run, man. 
unlike any other. And I think what's unfortunate, well, I'm not going to say what's unfortunate because I don't know how the series is going to turn out, but I don't know if they're good enough to beat Denver like this. Because, again, this is unprecedented. This is how they're going to have to win. You're going to have to have big games from uh, Devin Booker. You're going to have to have big games from Kevin Durant. Chris Paul's not playing or not not really available right now because of the groin injury. So you're going to need big games. And they've needed every single one of these points. Think about it. Every single game outside of every single Suns win has been a close game. Yeah, they may have been blowing Denver out, but Denver has stormed back. Game, let's see, game, game three, Denver, uh, Phoenix won 121 to 114. Game four, Phoenix won 129 to 124. Game four took four, just like moments, how Lonnie Walker had a moment against the Lakers. Landry Shaman, I think, had four threes in the fourth quarter. And Jokic had 53, 51 or no fifty three points that game. I, it's it's hard to put into context what we're seeing out of Devin Booker because we've never seen this from a guard. But this is what they're going to. This is what Dev. This is what the Suns need for them to win. And I don't know, I don't know if it's sustainable. It could be. The only reason why I say I don't know is sustainable because again, we have never seen this. This is historic. And I also think it's incredible that while Devin Booker's been going crazy, Nicole Jokic is averaging the most points in the in in the semifinals right now at thirty six point five. Damn. I, the reason why I think the Suns, because again, the reason why I don't think the Suns are good enough to win this series, even with Devin Booker playing this way, is because they need him to play this way. If he has a bad game, if Kevin Durant has a bad game or a poor shooting game or someone like Alangie Shamit doesn't come and help. In fact, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant had great games in game four, and it took Landry Shamit hitting three threes or four threes in the fourth quarter to win. I just – maybe next year – because moving forward, I don't know if they're good enough to beat a, a Lakers squad. Or if by some miraculous way Golden State wins, I don't know if they can keep up the scoring f- scoring power that is Golden State. But I did want to highlight Devin Booker and and just highlight exactly what he's doing and what he's doing we have never seen from a guard ever. One of the biggest reasons why I had concerns about the Boston Celtics is because of late game situations. 
And too many times I have seen the wrong person take a shot or I've seen dis, disjointed plays. I've seen people not knowing exactly where they're supposed to go. I've seen, I, I, I've seen a team that doesn't look like a, a, a championship-related team because of their late-game execution. I've also seen a team in the Boston Celtics give up huge leads or lose to teams that they shouldn't lose to. Again, I am shooting this Tuesday afternoon, so I don't know the outcome of game, what, four, five between uh, 76ers and, and the Celtics. But in game four, Celtics had a big lead. No, Philly had a big lead. Celtics came roaring back, took the lead. And it was a seesaw affair at that point in the last George, uh, James Harden, who had arguably his best game of the series, hit a clutch three-point shot in overtime. In fact, let's, let's rewind a little bit. You had a shot to win it in regulation. And for some reason, and I say some reason because this happens a lot. But for some reason, Marcus Smart is the person that you trust to take the last shot of the game. When you have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Malcolm Brogdon, all better shooters than Marcus Smart. But you trust Marcus Smart to take the last second three he misses. Going to overtime. James Harden hits a clutch three to put you up. James Harden, I think, at this point has 42 points or something. Incredible game. And yet again, wow, oh, I failed to mention that you have two timeouts left. Yet again, game on the line, you trust Marcus Smart to take the game-winning three. Now, yes, he did make it, but of course he made it with time expired because he it was a bad throw or it was a low throw. So he caught it low in just that millisecond that was wasted off the clock or just that second that was wasted off the clock. Could have used to shoot the ball. Didn't missed. I just don't understand. I'm not even. It's not on. It may be on Missoula. I don't know, but Boston too many times looks like a looks like a a, a, a disjointed team when they play, especially in late game situations. And the team that it's just it's like two extremes with Boston. They look like world beaters one night. Then they look like a team that shouldn't even be in the second round the next. And and Boston is 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 why I well actually it was really Milwaukee, but Boston is why I came is one of the reasons why I came to the conclusion that there's not a great team. Every team has a flaw, a a 
debilitating flaw in one of Boston's is they do not know how to close out games. And I don't think they understand the hot hand. Why is it that Jalen Brown is not getting more touches and he has been their best player this entire playoffs? Why is Marcus Smart continuously taking game winners and missing them when you have multiple better options at the three-point line? It just I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. I think that the winner of this series is good enough to win a championship. But I also to me the series is 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 both teams are 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 exactly who they are and who they've been this whole season. Philadelphia has been inconsistent. However, Joel Embiid has been great. James Harden has been good. Joel Embiid just won an MVP. So of course, and I think he was awarded the MVP in front of the in front of his uh, his the crowd. So of course they're going to be motivated to win the game. But it's it's been a healthy uh, dose of Joel Embiid and, and James Harden for the Boston Celtics. They've been incredible. It's been Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, and and Jason Tatum. However. They they look like there is times when they look like they can be unbeat. Like they look like they're the greatest team ever. Sometimes, then there's other times they look like how the hell did this team make it to the finals last year? It's baffling to me, man. But hey, we're we're in for it's a good series. It's been a good series, so. Let's move forward, man. I did want to get off of basketball and uh, shout out the NHL. Uh, I don't. I'm not really going to talk about the playoffs. There's been a lot of. There's been. I think the only the only series that is probably about to be over is the Florida Panthers and Maple Leafs, which I think is also interesting that the Florida Panthers. If they complete the three zero, or if they complete the three zero lead over the Maple Leafs, they would have beat the two teams that had the best shot of winning it all. Which, in turn, means that Florida has a really good shot of winning. Florida, I, Florida has won six straight, I believe, six straight playoff playoff games going back to the. They were down three one. Uh, they were down 3-1 against Boston, won three straight, and now they're up 3-0 against the Maple Leafs. Incredible. Uh, but every other series, I believe, is either 2-1 or, yeah, 2-1 or 2-2. So I, I think we've gotten really good hockey. But I wanted to shout out and, and kind of shine light on the Chicago Blackhawks. Chicago Blackhawks, they won the NHL lottery the other night, meaning more than likely they're, they, well, not more than likely, they had the number one pick. They're probably going to go with uh, Connor Bedard, who, of course, is, I think he's from Vancouver. And he played on the same, or he's currently playing on the same team that Connor McDavid played on when he was play, playing in you know, before he went to the big leagues. Um, I think a lot of people 
of course, in Chicago are excited because they believe that this could he could be the next lack of a better term, Patrick Kane. For people that don't know, Patrick Kane has is one of the best hockey players we've ever seen, uh, top one hundred hockey players of all time. He helped or led the Chicago Blackhawks to what three? Three championships, 2010, 2013, 2015. Patrick Kane is now on the Rangers, but they think that Bedard is that good. And even though he did just get traded, the the Chicago Blackhawks haven't really, they haven't been relevant for some time. Actually, since 2015, they haven't been that good, to be completely honest with you. Yes, Patrick Kane has still been good, but he's dealt with injuries and and the team just hasn't really lived up to that those three championships that they won with Patrick. And they feel I mean Connor Bedard, they're saying he could be the net and I'm not saying he is. But they're saying that he's good enough to be in the Connor McDavid conversation. And now right now, if you look at the career that he's having in 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 Vancouver right now he is on he's on a better pace than Connor McDavid but we know Connor McDavid is arguably one of if not the greatest hockey player to ever or has that trajectory to be one of if not the greatest hockey player we've ever seen and that is even with Wayne Gretzky but I did want to shout out the Blackhawks for winning the NHL draft lottery just like basketball, my my Washington, the Capitals, I think they got like eighth or something. Like Wizards always get between eight and sixteen. And the Capitals now Capitals don't always get it because of course they got the number one pick and that happened to be Alex Ovechkin, the grade eight. But we have eight this year. But I did again want to shout out uh, the Blackhawks for winning the the lottery and. More than likely, Connor Connor Bedard is going to go number one, probably. More than likely. So, shout out to you. I also wanted to shout out uh, Canelo Alvarez for beating John Ryder. I think it was by decision. Uh, he knocked he knocked Ryder down like tough too. Um, when we talk about the sport of boxing, and, and it's and we'll talk about the MMA in a second, but. When we talk about the sport of boxing, to me, the one of the hardest conversations you can have about boxing is who's the best pound-per-pound fighter. Because you have so many fighters, because you have so many different weight classes, it's hard to have that conversation. Some people can think it's, 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 it's uh, Devin Haney. Some people can think it's Shakur. Some people can think that it, or Steven Shakur, or Shakur Stevens, I'm sorry. Some people can think that it's Javante Davis. Some people think it's uh, what's his name, Tyson Fury. It's it's very hard to have that conversation about who's the best pound for pound because there's so many different weight classes. What I will say is when we talk about the face of boxing, that's also a hard conversation. But I wouldn't be shocked if somebody says that Canelo Alvarez is the face of boxing right now. Canelo Alvarez, he has been, he's been one of the best. And outside of his what the the last time he lost was against Dimitri uh, Bivolo Bivol 
I don't. I'm sorry. I know I mentioned it last name up, bro. But so then there might be a rematch in that. But Canelo Alvarez has been consistent ever. Honestly, ever since he lost to uh, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, his record is fifty nine two and two with thirty nine knockouts. It's hard to when you look at the when you look at the resume. It's hard to not look and who's still fighting. When you think of boxing, Canelo Alvarez is one of the first names, in my opinion, that comes up. So while I don't know if you if he is the best, I don't know what you want to say on that. But I will say that he is arguably the face of boxing. I think because of <laughs> the recent recency, I would say it's it's a, it's a it's between Canelo Alvarez and Devontae Davis as far as the faces of boxing, but. I mean, Canelo has a more – he's been fighting longer, obviously, and he has more of an extensive – I think Javante Davis is 29-0, and 0, and Canelo has, is 59-2-2. Two and two. So and, – and Canelo continues to, to dominate. So, shouts out to Canelo Alvarez for beating John Ryder in decision. Another person that won decision was uh, – Aljamin, I again, I know I messed your name up, bro. I apologize. But Sterling beat Henry uh, Cavuto by decision in UFC, what was it, UFC 288. Um, Sterling, I think he was, he took like three years off, I believe. Um, And again, (laughs) MMA... It's it's tough, bro. It's tough when we talk about pound for pound fighters, kind of like boxing. You have so many different weight classes. Like, is is it is it John Bones Jones? Which I thought it was crazy that I don't. I think it was uh, Daniel Cormier did his his Mount Rushmore of of UFC fighters, and he left out John Jones. Now I understand their rivalry they had, but come on now, it's John Jones. Uh, could it be Israel Zanya? Could it be uh, Leon Edwards? You know, I think Sterling because he took some years off. I believe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Harry, I don't know. It's it, Kuzma. He's been he's 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 been losing. Um, or Usman, he's been losing, and it's. Fighting is forever changing. Um, the the sport of boxing, the sport of MMA is forever changing, and that whole pound for pound thing is always gonna gonna shift. Like, is it Islam Mazadov or Mac Mac of Mac of Mac? Huck, yeah, I messed your name up, bro. I know your name's Islam. <laughs> so, shouts out to you guys, man. Shouts out to boxing in general, and and UFC in general, and shouts out to. I'm gonna say this right. Uh, his name is Al Jamin Sterling. I know I still mess your name up, bro, but I apologize. Shouts out to you for uh, defending your 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 belt, your bantam bantamweight belt against Harry Henry Sajudo. Uh, Damn, bro. These names is, is is eating me alive. Pause, bro. Like, Jesus Christ. I'm not good at names, man. I'm not. I can read them. I'm not good at names. But 
It's it's all out of love. No disrespect to you guys. I'm trying my hardest. I just I just don't. I'm sorry. So, shouts out to y'all. Now, this Lionel Messi thing, man, is kind of is kind of weird. We know that there are tensions that has been brewing for a minute now between Lionel Messi and his current club, which is PSG. Uh, of course, he went to PSG after leaving um, Real Madrid. Is it Real Madrid? No, Barcelona. Barcelona. Sorry. Uh, and we did hear maybe a week or two ago that he has been suspended or fined or suspended because he took a he thought they had a day off and they didn't and he went somewhere else and now we're hearing that uh the Saudi Arabia him his transfer to Saudi Arabia was pretty much a done deal after the end of the season you know Messi's father refuted it but he, you're starting you're starting to see it's it's just it's just weird what's going on with Messi and what's going on in general with with his contract i think that he is i think he's arguably the greatest football player we've ever seen between him and Cristiano ronaldo and both of them are at interesting points of their career where i don't think that they outside of of course i know Lionel messi just won with the world cup but i don't think that they're at a point where they are the they are the just their presence alone can win them a championship i just don't think that's the case when you look at psg a lot of times it's mbappe or it's uh neymar and while yes Lionel Messi still Lionel Messi. I just don't know. Like, if he goes to Saudi Arabia, I don't know if this makes Saudi Arabia an instant championship contender. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's I don't know. But I am interested to see and curious to see how this ends because it looks like the relationship between now money can change everything. Well, we just talked about that with Lamar Jackson. Money can definitely change everything when we talk about a relationship. Um, so I don't know if it looks like the relationship between PSG and Lionel Messi is kind of done with, over with, and it's it it might not be. I don't think PSG is going to fork over the money that maybe a team like Saudi Arabia can, or a, yeah, a team like Saudi Arabia can afford. But yeah, man, I'm interested to see what happens. So. And lastly, before we go, man, again, I've been talking about the Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and every every episode this month, I am highlighting another person that is of Asian or Pacific Islander descent, and I today's episode is going to be with Kyler Murray. First and foremost, I didn't know Kyler Murray had Asian descent in them, like, at all. <laughs> like, now, you can kind of see it now that I, I know, but I'm just like, oh, shoot. And I also think it's it's interesting. Well, I also think that it's unfortunate that when we talk about Kyler Murray, a lot of times we kind of bag on him, and, and and some of it is justified, seeing as the expectations that come with being a number one overall pick, and and you know how good Kyler Murray has been in the regular season, or at least for that regular season. 
Like there, there has been criticism with Kyler Murray. We know about the whole video game situation and the contract situation, but Kyler Murray is still one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Um, Kyler Murray is still one of the main reasons why we haven't given up full hope on the Arizona Cardinals. And of course, what he did at Oklahoma, winning a uh, winning a Heisman, yeah, winning a Heisman. Kyler Murray is still Kyler Murray, and. I just think that I think that kind of like when we when we talk about Josh Allen and now we're talking about Odell Beckham Jr. and and Lamar Jackson, I would like to see that relationship between DeAndre Hopkins and and Kyler Murray matriculate more, and maybe you'll see more success, not just from the Arizona Cardinals, but from Kyler Murray and as a whole. But I did want to shout out Kyler Murray for and, and recognize him. Uh, as we do the Asian American and Pacific Islanders Heritage Month. Shouts out to you, my G. And there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. If you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to if you're watching. Please follow the Instagram. Please follow the TikTok. It definitely means a lot to me. And until next time, much love. <laughs>